0: even have these songs on my iPad yet, ready for today, to be able to do worship. Somewhat, in that sense, slightly unprepared, but realised, and thank goodness some technology does help us and it makes things quicker, (laughs) so praise the Lord. But in reading the words of this song and not understanding that they were going to be the words that were going to be sung today, I just want to speak the name of Jesus over fear and all anxiety to every soul held captive. By depression, I speak Jesus, and you'll understand more when I speak into what God's placed on my heart, I believe, this morning to to share with each of you, which it's, it's, it's a difficult one at times. Romans 12 verses 1 to 8, I'm not looking at that just yet, Ash, but that's what we're looking at today, but as always, I'm going to start a little bit before we actually look at that, because I can't help myself, and I don't know why this message was placed on my heart this morning because, and I'm probably going to start now rambling a little bit on what, I just feel the Lord's presence today and we have all week journeying with some of our fellow officers who are on the same sort of timeline as us and it's just beautiful when you get into the presence of people who truly are soaking in and expressing out the joy that comes from knowing the lord so even when you come to times of worship that you can see that coming out in people and that's truly and honestly what karen and i want for each and every one of us here this morning that we would know jesus so closely and intimately to ourselves that we would see that flowing out to us and so the first line that i have written here to this morning so i'm back to notes so you'll be happy to know that let's look at something known as the negativity effect and it kind of goes a bit sciencey from here, okay? So just bear with me, follow along. It'll make sense. Did you know that the brain reacts more strongly to negative stimuli than positive ones? If you've lived more than, I don't know, five years, you, pr- you probably could figure it out. That is the phenomenon known as the negativity effect. And what happens in our brains is that when you hold an idea in your mind, shared by people around you, your brain rewards you by triggering a release of this thing called dopamine. And dopamine isn't necessarily a good or a bad thing by nature, but it is when, at balance, where our feelings of positivity and a sense of reward can come from. When it's too low, however, we may be way more likely to feel things like anxiety and depression. So, for instance, when you disagree with people around you, your dopamine level drops, and this is all the stuff going on in your head, in your brain. And your brain sees that disagreement as a threat and triggers these feelings of pain. And this is also where we fall into what's known as the fight, flight, and freeze type behaviors. Have you heard of that? Fight and flight. They added a few Fs, I think, a few years ago. But fight and flight was the one I knew when I was going through high school. Where you're either going to like, all right, let's go. I'm going to fix this now. Or, ah, I'm out of here. But this negativity effect is a very, very real thing. Why do insults once held at us stick inside of our brain, sometimes for even decades? They just seem to hold up occupancy inside our head. Why do some people have to work extra hard to ward off things like anxiety and depression? And the answer is, this sense of nastiness or this, this lower stuff just makes a bigger impact on our brains. And that is due to the brain's negativity bias or the negativity effect. And you're probably thinking right now, what a depressing sermon. Possibly. Our brains are simply built with a greater sensitivity to unpleasant news. The bias is so automatic that it can be detected even at the earliest stage of the brain's information processing stage. It's so forefront that it's almost trying to look for negativity before it looks for any of the positive. And it basically sits right there at the front waiting to be triggered. There was this doctor with a PhD and all that stuff. His name was John Cassiopo. Probably said it wrong, but that's okay. He's not here to correct me. He did some studies on this thing as well. And what John did was he showed people pictures known to provoke positive images. And so what he did is he showed them a picture of a puppy. And if I say puppy to Brody, he'd be like, ah. Or a pizza, because some people love pizza. Then he showed them pictures of... Those things are certain to stir up negative feelings. Some of the pictures he showed was of maybe a family pet or something that's passed away or a disfigured face or some sort of injury that someone's gone through. And then pictures known to produce just plain old neutral feelings, things like a plate or a hairdryer, something that's just like, eh, okay, cool, that's a plate, oh, nice, a fork. Whilst doing this, he recorded electrical activity in the brain's cerebral cortex, so the processing space, big language, that reflects the magnitude of information processing taking place. And in simple terms, what John did is he mapped exactly how our brains will react to different situations. He was trying to figure out how we operate. As a result, John demonstrated that the human brain reacts more strongly to stimuli or information that is deemed negative. There was a greater surge in electrical activity without the brain at those times. It was just went into this lull. And so John concluded that our attitudes are more heavily influenced by downbeat negative news than good news. It lends us to assume that our brain's capacity to weigh up this negative input so heavily most likely can also exist for a good reason most likely to keep us out of harm's way and to to stay closer to things that are good. And that's all well and good, but how do we, having this negativity bias in, in all of us, scientifically proven, moderate our natural response so that the same bad news bias does not become the thing that affects every single sphere of our lives? Because even occasional big positive experiences like A surprise birthday where everyone's there and you're around all the people that you love and you're being celebrated, even something as grand as that or the Adelaide Crows winning a grand final, obviously that's a long way off, are nice and memorable next year, amen. (laughs) But they don't make the necessary impact on our brain to override the tilt to negativity because I guarantee for any of you that do follow a sports team that's won a grand final at some point, you've had a negative thought since they've done that, right? It's, it's not always there. Yay, we won back in 1998. It's a long time ago. It's crazy. And 97, whatever. Because the magic ratio that swings towards negativity is five to one. We are five times more likely to swing towards that negative bias than we are towards that one, even if it's grand. Five times more sensitive to something sensitive Than something exciting to draw ourselves closer to the positive way of life it takes us it actually takes us frequent small positive experiences to even begin to tip the scales towards living a life of happiness it takes a deliberate personal focus and devotion to something that is good what the bible tells us is that it takes getting into proximity and there's that word again takes proximity with God, getting in closeness with God, building on our relationship with God and engrossing ourselves in His Word and his good news to then understand what life means and what life is in all its fullness to tip that scale from the negativity bias to a life of fullness. It is up to us to choose the changes to choose to change the narrative of our lives and consequently the feelings that we stir up inside our own human brains because it is our life journey. It's what we choose to do and who we choose to be influenced by that then affects our emotions, our general health and our ability to be positive in general. You ever like, heard your parents say, can you hang around with, they're all good, they're having joy, that's positivity, let it go. You Hang around with the wrong people, you become a different person, don't you? But if you hang around people that encourage you and build you up, you'll be more likely to feel that within your own walk when you go about your business. So why have I shared all that? You don't know I'm about to tell you. Because I think in order to change our mindset, we need to shift our understanding of how we view the word, even sacrifice. Because I know it will change absolutely everything about how we think. And when I talk into today's scripture, it will change the way that we go about in building ourselves into the kingdom of God. Because the way we view our faith, the way we actively pursue our faith, and the way we get involved with the kingdom of God at work around us will be very different when we even understand that. Dare I say, we will even be way more effective as witnesses to the good news of God. Because with our negativity bias, if we aren't in close personal relationship with God, we will see sacrifice. When we hear the word sacrifice... Which side of the brain did that trigger for you? Most likely some sense of, oh, what does sacrifice mean for me? Like a sense of loss or this negative feeling. But today I want to try, I want to encourage us to reset our brains so that we can see sacrifice in a whole completely new way. Sacrifice becoming personal devotion. Sacrifice as a positive commitment. I want to reset our relationship with God. So we can focus on the good news that he offers and move us all, each of us, towards even more positivity in our lives. Because we can always look at what we are set to lose, and we all do it. Allowing our negative human bias to take over, or we can focus on what is to gain through sacrifice. Allowing divine guidance, allowing God to speak for our lives and to work within them. Because it's only when we reshape our minds... This, this brain stuff, to what sacrifice even truly is through the example of even Christ's sacrifice. Giving of himself ultimately for ultimate reward that we can understand even concepts like generosity, grace, mercy, all of those. So now we're going to have a look at today's scripture verse we got there. So let's look at Romans 12 verse 1 to 8. Thanks, Ash. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. And the next bit's entitled, Humble Service in the Body of Christ. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. In accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we Do it cheerfully. I've personally probably heard this scripture preached on a lot. And often where it's taken is straight into what part we can play in the body. And there's obviously different sections within scripture that talk about this as well. That all parts are important and whilst all of that is true, and I truly believe in the the messages that I've previously heard, and you should... Even believe in the ones you've heard before as well, maybe. I think we need to step back for a second today. And I felt God saying, okay, but before that stuff, we need to work on this stuff. Because I've heard this sermon preached so many times, yet at the end, not, not a lot has changed either within my church family or even within myself. But I believe the message of God is something that should be changing us daily. So I was left thinking, what's going on here? What, 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 what are we missing? What is happening? So I needed to go back to this negativity effect. I think with all the influences around us, all the distractions, all the things, we are lacking focus on God. And instead, our focus is dialed in on what's going on in the world around us. And when we do that, we play into this negativity bias. We're giving it an open door to our lives. We are prone to experiencing and falling into despair rather than falling into God. And yet in verse 2 it says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing and perfect will. And we're even never going to be able to test and approve what God's will is if we haven't even gone to his word to see what it is. We need to reset our focus, renew our minds on God before we can even identify exactly what we even bring to the table. Those things that God is saying, I can use you in this way. Language like not good enough will vanish. The concept of gifts being bigger or smaller than someone else or better or worse than another will disappear And the reason why we sacrifice, once negative, let's look at it positively, and give of ourselves will take on a whole new kingdom understanding. We exist to bring glory not to ourselves, but to God. And if bringing glory to God in all we do is the measuring tool, then all other measures of grading are totally irrelevant. That, oh, his gifts, he's way better at that than me, and all that sort of stuff. Who cares? Do it for God. And God will honor it. It will bring the body together like we've never seen before. If we exist to bring glory to God over self, the kingdom of God can be realized in such new and exciting ways. All those things that we've, oh, not good enough, driving ourselves into our negativity bias. Imagine what would happen if they were all brought together and we see what that could possibly do for the kingdom. The pattern that the world holds for us Essentially, all things that distract us from God won't hold that same power as it once did. So when I look at the first two verses of today's scripture, it highlights the mindset and the intentionality. The focus we need to then be able to deal with verses 3 to 8. And in verse 1 it says, Therefore I urge you, I urge you, it's like do it, like shaking, grabbing, come on, just do it. I urge you, brothers and sisters, In view of God's mercy, because, you know, we've made mistakes before, but God says it's all good. We've got time to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. I like paraphrasing. And back in Melbourne, we had a teacher who always called it, You know how you've got all the different types of the Bible, like the NLT, the NIV, the KJV, and all that sort of stuff, ESV, and there's so many, MSGP, whatever. He would always say the RAV or something like that, the Reese's abbreviated version. So this is the AAV, the Aaron's abbreviated version. I've never done that. Well, I have actually, but I've just never called it anything. It's just like, hey, everyone, as God ultimately gave everything for you because of his deep love and compassion for you, as your way of giving, giving glory to God, bring yourself to God and use what he has given you to witness his impact on your life to others. In other words, use the things that God has already placed in, in yourself to impact those people around you in new and amazing ways. Look to God. Follow his ways. Promote a healthy mindset based on the provision and deliverance God has provided you and give him the glory through active participation in the kingdom, using the very gifts you have. God doesn't provide us. He's not asking us to reinvent the wheel of ourselves. He's asking us to bring ourselves, who we are, what we have to offer, using the very gifts you have, being given by him for him and for others to know him. So, how do we grow in our kingdom focus? Because we have to look at that. How do we increase our proximity with God? How do we start to look past ourselves and look to God? Kind of mentioned it earlier. Because when we read through that scripture, it told us where is it here? then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. If we're not in the Bible, we don't even know what that will is. We need to read our Bibles and we must start there. We can take time and again, I'm I'm more than happy to be vulnerable and say I'm guilty of, at times putting other things in place of reading my Bible and getting closer to God in my word over my life. Even just watching TV for no real reason, just kind of it's on and you're there. I know we get tired, but hey, God's word sustains us. We must start there. And I'll tell you why and how this plays into shifting our negativity bias because here we go, back to science. Another doctor comes into play. Another doctor by the name of Michael I think it was Ferguson, but I forgot the R. Sorry, Michael. Did some research onto the effects that daily Bible reading had on people. What he found was that high amounts of this dopamine word stuck up again, came up, were released through the body. So essentially, while people read the Bible, dopamine, which is known as the feel-good hormone, was released within the body. And when positive dopamine is released, we're more likely to be focused We're more likely to be motivated and, of course, being a feel-good hormone, happier. We shift our mindset. We move to positivity simply by reading God's word. Amen. So as a result of regular reading of the Bible, it was clear to Dr. Ferguson, I spelled his name right there, that thanks to the numerous chemical reactions and systems going on in the brain, Bible reading positively affected and made a lasting impact on thoughts. But also, past thoughts, it transferred to behaviours as well. And how people went about their day. So in quick summary, reading the Bible, Dr. Ferguson stated, regularly did all of this. Made us feel good. I'll take that. We gained focus and motivation. It encourages us to begin spiritual practices such as praying. Communication with God. It motivates us to find a community of like-minded people to surround ourselves with. I always go to this analogy of, I'm a basketball player. If I want to get better at basketball, I'm not going to go hang out with soccer or lawn bowls players, am I? If I'm going to become a more devout person of faith, I'm going to find people that are doing that same thing as me. It transfers that focus that we've gained into thoughts. And through those thoughts, our behaviors change and our minds change. And as a result of all of that, our brain, which holds this five-to-one negativity bias, becomes more geared to process towards the positive than the negative. Basically, our natural human tendency to go towards negative thinking is reshaped to focus on God and the ideals of him. So these things like the fruits of the Spirit that we've talked about before come into play. The things like love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control become the, the pillars of our life. We gain a positive outlook on what life is all about. What life can be. What life in the Spirit is. As a leader alongside Karen in this space, I want everyone here along with everyone I encounter to know the inner and the outer change that comes from knowing and following Jesus. I've seen the difference in myself during the times in my life when I've been actively in God's word, over the times when my focus has been lacking. And you can't hope to focus on the things of Christ if you can't commit yourself to reading his word. Having God speak directly to you the Bible regularly. If we aren't working on our proximity to Christ each and every day, all that we are doing is giving ground to that negativity bias within all of our brains. We become too focused on ourselves and what our decisions offer ourselves and not on God. We fall into the pattern of this world and that was in today's scripture. We become selfish over selfless. And when we lose ourselves in selfish behavior, we drive our minds to the negative and in turn understand our call to the mission of God and sacrifice for God becomes a negative experience. We feel like we are losing out instead of understanding that the joy of stripping back the things, the stuff, the worldly stuff, That they're just not of God. We feel like we are losing out instead of understanding the joy in stripping all those things back. By drawing focus on God, reading his word, and following the guidance he offers us, we'll begin to understand that the sacrifice we're called to is one that strips back the negative, the selfless pursuits of attaining goods or attaining titles. The sacrifice we are called to is a releasing of worldly pursuits for actually just the things of Christ. Our negativity bias can be managed by reading God's word, growing in relationship with him, and here our minds will be shifted to the positive. From here we can shift our understanding of sacrifice to the positive as well, and we can shed the things that distract us from God and take on the characteristics of our Christ. Our joy will be found in Christ rather than in the things of the world which I tell you are temporary. This understanding of sacrifice and this newfound positivity that comes through connection with Christ will offer us the mindset we need to then actively and humbly use what we have, whatever that is, however small you think it is, even that language of small will be gone for God's glory. Because transformed individuals become the transformed community when we recognize that we actually need one another. Our self-focus changes to a focus less on what we bring, but to a shared common goal on who and why we bring of ourselves. God is honored. Each person finds purpose and relationship with each other, and with God, it's all strengthened. We'll actually find and promote healthy and thriving community, and we'll see that formed. Because the last line I have here says, well it's not actually, Christ is the answer to a positive life. Christ is the answer to a positive life. When we think we have nothing to offer, we need to shift our mindset, get away from the negative effect. When our life is full of trying to find meaning in everything but God, we need to shift our mindset and get away from the negative mindset. When our friends, our family, the people in our church let us down, we need to shift our mindset, get away from the negative mindset and get back into relationship with God. I mentioned earlier that I've heard this scripture preached on before. What gifts do you have? What can you offer to the body of Christ? But what we have looked at is our relationship with God. Why? Because honestly, it all starts there. If we aren't close with God, we won't even know what he is calling us to. If we aren't in relationship with God, then the things of this world will shape who we are and draw us away from God. There is absolutely no lasting joy in that. We'll always be looking for something else to fill in that void. I want to encourage us each here today to find positivity that comes through knowing Christ. To open his word and find joy in his words. To change our mindsets to the idea that sacrifice for the Lord simply means a shedding of the things of the world. An adoption and an adoption of the love of Christ over your life to let that be the motivation for why you bring yourself to the mission of God. It can start by simply having your newsletter and reading the scripture that we've gone through each week and letting God speak to you through it. But past that, I would encourage you actually to bring, pick up your Bible because what you'll find is when you read, you'll read more. We can limit it, but I encourage you to start there if you don't know because it's such a big book, isn't it? such a big account maybe that's a starting point reread the scripture and see what God's saying to you about it each and every week and see where it takes you even if you don't think that you bring much you can always bring a positive self through the love of God in you that can impact the world around you So in the moment, there's going to be a song that plays whilst we contemplate what we've heard this morning. And I encourage you really to just think about your relationship with God and where that's sitting this morning. And some of the words of the song, the song is entitled Gratitude. It's one of the things that we won't ever understand unless we understand the graciousness of our Lord. And it says, all my words fall short. I've got nothing new. How could I express all my gratitude? I can sing these songs as I often do, but every song must end, and you never do. I've got one response, I've got just one move. With my arm stretched wide, I will worship you. And the chorus says, so I throw up my hands and praise you again and again. Because all that I have is a hallelujah. And I know it's not much, but I've nothing else fit for a king, except for a heart singing. When our heart's singing, that's a heart that's longing for a relationship with God. That's what he wants. And asks us to say, use me. Let's listen this morning.